Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I've known Alana Rizzo for a lot of years now. Incredibly talented, multi-time Emmy Award winner at MLB Network and graciously making some time for us on the show right now. Hi, Alana. Happy, uh, I guess, end of summer. or Maybe it's still summer. I don't know. Good morning to you, Bill, and everyone in L.A. Miss you guys out there. Um, yeah, it's uh, summer has flown by. Here we are. Um, changing of the calendar here pretty soon to September. First day of school for my kids, which means, at least in the Ryder <laughs> household, that uh, the house is quiet and baseball is getting really, really serious. And it, it coincides with the Padres team, obviously, that is having a good season despite the dominance, again, of the Dodgers in the NL West. And Fernando Tatis Jr., that saga, took another turn yesterday where he, to, I think, Alana, to his, his credit, at least this part of it, met the media, answered questions in English and Spanish, uh, gave an apology, talked for a while. It wasn't one of those scripted situations where the PR guy steps in after 30 seconds and says no more questions. But obviously, there, there's a lot to unpack here. Let's just start with... What is your reaction in the entirety of this Tatis Jr. saga to what you saw yesterday? Well, first of all, uh, he absolutely needed to address the media. I kind of blew him up on high heat last week because there were some, um, not even reports. I mean, Jerickson Profar came out and said that he is very close to Fernando Tatis Jr. And he had several conversations with him about trying to convince him to come and talk to his teammates. And I took exception to that because I don't think anybody that's made this type of egregious um, move in their career should have to be convinced to talk to the teammates um, and people that you let down. That being said, um, he made his way to Petco Park, had conversations with AJ Preller and the Padres front office and did address the media in both languages. Um, He needed to do that. And I commend him for doing so. I just don't understand this whole thing. I don't understand why somebody as talented as Fernando Tatis Jr., who's already at the big league level, who's on his way back to a team that's contending for a postseason position, who's already signed a very lucrative contract. I don't understand the mindset or the decision-making process to even go that route. I mean, I can, I'm never excusing cheating, and I'm never excusing doing things the wrong way when it comes to performance-enhancing drugs, especially in Major League Baseball, where the testing is so good and and they take it incredibly seriously. I can see it, I guess, if you're trying to get a big contract, if you're trying to get to the big league level. Um, Perhaps his only defense is that he was trying to heal more quickly, but I still cannot stand here. And I would say this if it was a Dodger player that was doing this as well. I can't stand here and say that I – Forgive him, even with an even with the apology. It's incredibly unfortunate that somebody that has that much natural talent felt this was the way to go. And this is a team that you can't fault the front office, Bill. I mean, they have done everything they can to put a winning product on the field and do what they could to compete 
with the Los Angeles Dodgers in that division. I mean, A.J. Preller has gone out and signed Fernando Tatis Jr. to that long deal. He's signed Joe Musgrove, the only no-hitter in franchise history, to a long-term deal. You go out and you get Juan Soto, you get Josh Bell, you get Josh Hader, which I understand has not been the hater that he was in Milwaukee for the Padres, but don't fault the front office for trying to do the right thing. So I guess all you can do now, um, and let's not forget Manny Machado, who has carried this team on his back the entire season, all you can do now as an organization, as Fernando Tatis Jr., as a fan base, is move forward. I mean, they're still right in the thick of things in that wild card race in the National League, and, and I just don't understand you know, the decision-making process that he has with the motorcycle accident and the PED usage, and now he's having shoulder surgery. And it's just unfortunate for one of the game's brightest and most talented stars. Alana Rizzo, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question on Tatis Jr. that I know is is really hard to answer because it's one of these crystal ball questions. But but I'm going to ask you, you you referenced the motorcycle accident, obviously the PED use. Um, To your point, the, the difficulties in, in getting Tatis Jr. to accountability early enough, although he got there, so people can weigh that however they'd like to. The, the fact he hasn't played a lot of games under this contract from a year and a half ago, 14 years, $340 million. What's your confidence level with everything we know and everything we know about his talent that he will eventually live up to whatever the expectations are for 14 years and $340 million? Does anybody live up to contracts that big? I'm not certain. I can say this, though. He really needs to have a come-to-Jesus moment in terms of what he wants his legacy to be. I mean, I can't realistically stand here and say that I, I don't doubt him now because of these circumstances that have already happened in his very young career. I mean, to whom much is given, much is expected. And Fernando Tatis Jr. has not lived up to the expectations so far that warrant a contract of that magnitude. Um, You know, I hope that this is a really eye-opening experience. I mean, at this point, the Padres are married to him. I mean, it's not as if A.J. Preller can say, all right, see you later. I mean, no one's going to assume that contract. So, they have to figure out a way to cohesively move forward in the, in the right direction. That's going to be a productive direction for this franchise. I mean, the pieces are there. You look at the Padres, my goodness. And really, in the last several off seasons, they've done everything they could. And, of course, at this year's trade deadline, Juan Soto's huge. And you have him for the next three pennant races. What a waste for this year that Fernando Tatis Jr. is not a part of it. So, I'm hopeful that he figures this out because he is one of the game's best. I want him to be successful. I so desperately want him to be successful because the game needs a healthy and productive and, you know, a a good Fernando Tatis Jr. in in that lineup. Alana Rizzo here on the show. Uh, Alana, your reference to the the hater trade, his his former team, the Brewers, are, I think, what, a game and a half back of the Padres – for the final wild card spot, and right there in the mix, we, you know, the Phillies, I think they're two and a half back. And there's been some some consternation from Brewers players. It's, it's been public about the front office making that move. Is that a reasonable response from a, a contending team, a team that's in, in contention for a postseason spot, to be angry and to, to publicly voice their, their anger when the front office trades a guy that they view as, as important? It was the weirdest and most head-scratching trade for me of the entire 2022 trade deadline season. I did not understand this move at all. 
with uh, David Stearns in the front office of Milwaukee, as well as Mark Antanasio, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. I understand that Hader had not had the best July, but when Hader is on, he is arguably the best closer in all of baseball. Um, you know, this year, perhaps Edwin Diaz is, but over his course and his entire body of work, you'd be hard pressed to find a better, more consistent game over type of closer than Josh Hader. And it wasn't as if the Milwaukee Brewers were the Cincinnati Reds or the Kansas city Royals or a team that has absolutely no chance of making the postseason. I didn't understand this move at all. I do understand that you have a tremendous three-headed monster with the Milwaukee Brewers starting rotation, and you have Devin Williams in the back end of your bullpen for the Brewers. But to get rid of Hater, I just didn't understand it. And, you know, you could see that Devin Williams was visibly upset when asked about the Hater trade. Um, you know, you could tell that he didn't, <laughs> didn't understand it, wasn't happy with it. And I think those players have every right to be upset about it because they're in contention. This is a team that's, you know, fighting for a wild card spot. And up until about a week and a half ago, they were fighting for a division because, you know, within the last week and a half, the St. Louis Cardinals have, have really pulled away from the Milwaukee Brewers in the NL Central. But at the time, you know, they could have easily been the division and they still could, I guess, with, you know, 40 games and change left to play. At the time, they were division title participants. So, I was very surprised at the hater trade. That one made zero sense to me. A lot of the, the Yankees on the on its totality have had a really good season. They obviously have not played as well of late. Their manager has been frustrated. Uh, he attacked a um, a table, which happens. I've been there, done that with, <laughs> with my kids. I get it. I understand we lost a shoe this morning. I, I understand frustrations. I got it. Uh, but there's been some questions about whether or not we're seeing the Yankees regress to whatever their mean is. Do, do you buy that, or are the Yankees still a, a dominant team just going through a difficult stretch, and they are to be feared going forward? Well, I don't think you can ever say the Yankees are not a team to be feared just based on the lineup. I do think, though, that the Yankees continue to make the same mistakes, that they build their lineup to be a slugging lineup. They don't build their lineup or their team, their roster, really, to be a defensive and pitching makeup. And that's what you're going to need in the postseason. You're not going to slug your way to a World Series championship. You're just not going to do it. And if you look at the team that is very likely going to keep the Yankees out of the World Series, and I'm talking about the Houston Astros, they are just built differently. They have that championship pedigree, obviously. They are not afraid of the New York Yankees, and what they do have that, in my opinion, the Yankees don't is an ability to run the bases well. They have that speed factor so they can manufacture runs. Aaron Judge is still my MVP in the American League no matter what, and no disrespect to what Shohei Otani is doing, but with Aaron Judge's 48 home runs, you know, on pace to surpass Roger Maris for 61 as the single-season home run record in Yankees franchise history. What he has done has been absolutely incredible, but you cannot slug your way to the postseason. And and my concern with the Yankees is their just inability to be able to gain any sort of of real traction. Their, Their starting pitching doesn't, you know, doesn't concern me as much. Obviously, we know what Garrett Cole can do. Nestor Cortez has been a really nice compliment. I don't necessarily understand the Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader trade. I mean, in the small sample size, St. Louis won that trade because, you know, Jordan Montgomery is 4-0 as a Cardinal, and Harrison Bader right now is on the IL. He will provide some outfield depth coming off of that injured list. 
But the Astros, I just don't know anybody else in the American League who's going to beat them. And I do think the Yankees are to be feared, but I feel like time and time again, year after year, they're really built to be aggressively dominant in the postseason, or excuse me, in the regular season. But by the time they get to the postseason, they just don't have the pitching. They don't have the defense. Alana Rizzo, I have an insider baseball question for you from someone, me, who's the furthest thing from it. My, my experience covering Major League Baseball was limited to four years at the Kansas City Star. Now, I did spring training on the Royals, but I, I you know, you're not a real baseball writer if you're in and out, right? I was in and out there sometimes, never had to do the full grind of what I think is the most commendable and difficult beat to cover day-to-day in professional sports. Yeah, I mean, and you know. I mean, I did it occasionally, and I worked hard at the Kansas City Star, but my God, Bob Dutton and, and the folks who did that job when I was there, you know, they're running marathons for years at a time. Uh, so maybe my entire premise is wrong, and if it is, just tell me. But I was always struck by the seismic temper, not even tantrum, just the, the, the stress that would just emerge sometimes. You know, not like Aaron Boone, like, turned a table over. But having covered every sport, I've seen angry football coaches, but they always seem to be angry, and NBA coaches are, do their thing. Is it the grind of a long season? Is it the access that we, the media, have that we just see these guys more often? Am I just wrong And that it feels like sometimes for, for managers that when they, when they lose their temper, they, they really lose their temper? Well, I think it's, I mean, it's well past due for Aaron Boone to have lost his temper. And I still don't, I think that was pretty mild, honestly. Agreed. Uh, yeah. I think that he's so frustrated and, and he's sick and tired of answering every single, the same questions every single day. And I, and I can, I can appreciate that and respect that. Cause if you look at all four major sports in North America, only baseball managers have to talk to the media twice a day. I understand that we, yeah. as the media, <laughs> and on a baseball beat have responsibilities and a job to do as well. But I would get sick and tired of answering the same questions also. And he also said, you know, he knows he, I think the way that he said it was, we have the dudes in there to do it. And I believe that. I, I just don't think, you know, I almost wish that he would have gotten more upset and flipped a table over and shown some, shown something, you know, you can't, you can't dictate people's personalities. We all react to situations differently, but um, you know, this is going to be very telling. If the if the Yankees don't go at least go to the World Series, I don't know what's going to become of Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. I mean, Brian Cashman and Billy Bean are the longest tenured general managers in in the sport, um, apart from John Daniels, who was just dismissed from the Texas Rangers. John Daniels was there for 21 years. Cashman and Bean have been there, I want to say, 25 and 23 respectively. But I'm glad Aaron Boone got upset. I, you know, sometimes I think he could, should be more upset. But um, I just think it's, it, you know, it's, it's a slow boil until it starts to boil over. Baseball is just an absolute beating. I mean, doing 200 games a year between spring training, regular season, and postseason as a beat writer or as a, as a, you know, beat or a team reporter is an absolute beating. And I, and I don't blame Aaron Boone for finally showing some frustration publicly. Alana Rizzo, who has done that job year after year after year after watch people like me just come in for a few days. This is fun. Uh-huh. Alana, as always, I mean, great interview, great insight. Really appreciate having you on. Hope you're well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for making time. Oh, it's always my pleasure. You take care. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.